The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, you're listening to the Late Morning Program with Namras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm here, very honored to have Vishvadika Mataji uh, with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I so, enjoy watching your show. Oh, thank so you it's so much. really good to be here. So I got a uh, recommendation from uh, Chandramoli Maharaj to have uh, Mataji on the show. Uh, and so um, here we are, and I'd just like to uh, say a little bit about her. She joined in, um, she was initiated in New Vrindavan in 1973, and she's been closely involved with cow protection and service to bulls and cows in uh, Mayapur since uh, 2015. And so from this work and the study of her spiritual master's book, she has come, uh, is, is the inspiration that came to write on this issue uh, which is intimately connected to the major problems of the 21st century. But before we get into that, I'd like to just ask, um, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, your upbringing, and how you got in contact with uh, devotees. Well, I'm from Canada. I'm from a small town outside of Montreal. And um, in, in when I was about 20 years old, I was very independent and decided to leave the small town and I moved to New York. That was in 1966. And then um, I taught for a little while. And then in 1967, I ended up in Tompkins Square Park in New York. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. You know, it was during all the hippie stuff that was going on, and I was into poetry and other things that she um, probably shouldn't mention on the show. But there I was. I wasn't an old lady then; I was just a young young woman. And um, I, but I was not very happy. And one day, I ended up in. Um, in Tompkins Square Park, and the devotees were chanting. Prabhupada wasn't there. This was in the early spring, like probably around April of 1967. I believe Prabhupada was on the West Coast. But the devotees were there chanting Hare Krishna, and I sat down. I was, I was actually quite unhappy with myself. And I chanted with the devotees. And immediately was very peaceful. Immediately I was very attracted. And um, after that, I didn't have enough intelligence to join, but I was on the Lower East Side and I did a couple of times go to Washington Square Park with the devotees and chanted. And um, finally, in, um, a few years later in 1972, I um, went to uh, I went to the um, temple on Henry Street, and that was the beginning of my devotional service. By then, I was actually in an even more miserable condition. I was just so bewildered, had taken too many drugs, had had so many problems, 
and I walked into the temple and saw Radha Govinda. I thought it was all very strange, but there was a, a sign right in front of the altar and it said, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. I thought, oh yes, I know that. I've, I've, I've said that before and I just started chanting and immediately this huge black cloud lifted. Wow. And wow. that was it. And how long did that you, how long did you um, serve in New York for? Just about a year or so. And then I went to Boston for a few months. And from there, went to New Vrindavan in the summer of 1973. Hmm. And, and was initiated in And you served there. Um, how long were you in New Vrindavan for? Well, I was in New Vrindavan between 1973 and 1998. Wow, long time. How how was that being in Yuvendavan? I mean, you, those were the. I mean, you were there throughout all the different you know, phases of Yuvendavan. You could say, right? <laughs> yes, I was, and you know, I tell the devotees I'm from Yuvendavan, and I spent this many years there, and I I see the look on some devotees' faces, like ready to offer their condolences, you know. <laughs> I get a little offended, you know, because right. actually, not that it was perfect, right. but for many, many years in Nuvendavan, it was ecstatic. We were so inspired right. to build Prabhupada's palace, and we worked so hard as a community, and we were all there every morning chanting, going to the program together, taking prasadam together, fighting with each other, loving each other you know, getting exasperated, but always working together. And it formed a very close and wonderful bond. And I really learned a lot about Krishna consciousness mm -hmm. from the devotees there and from Kirtanananda, mm. who was very controversial even back then. But you know what? He was also always very personal. Mm. And he gave so many personal instructions. I mean, and then... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I was just and then, And then by 1998, I, you know, the difficulties had been going on for a few years in Nuvendavan. And then actually my husband and I left. We left the, the shell, you know, we left Nuvendavan. We were actually in New York working on starting the, what is now the Bhakti Center for several years. Oh, but from there we left. We we just left apparently for a year to kind of get our heads together, but we ended up more or less, you know, the old expression blooping for a few years. And uh, <laughs> and and then we came back in 2010, 2011. Took a number of years, but we came back by Prabhupada's mercy and the mercy of the devotees. Especially right. Nuvindavan devotees. You're still in contact with devotees so from there? Hmm? You're still in contact with devotees from there? Oh, of course. Of course. I would actually love to be in Nuvindavan. It's just our life situation just is 
didn't allow us to go back. That was our plan when we came back, was to go back to Nuvindavan, but it just, Krishna had a different plan. So, so tell me, how you how did you first get in contact with um, the seva of taking care of cows? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, we wanted to go back to Nuvindavan and it was completely impossible. So at one point we called His Holiness Radhanath Swami, we hadn't spoken to for many years having left the movement and he was very kind and we explained the situation and how desperate we felt we didn't feel that we belonged in a city temple somewhere but but we didn't know what to do and i'm a homeopath now and i wanted to practice homeopathy with the devotees like i have been doing actually in new Vrindavan for a few years so he said, well, come and see me in India. And we did. We, vis we visited with him in 2015 in Calcutta during the Jaladut celebrations. And, um, and while there, we went to Mayapur and we decided that Lord Chaitanya is very merciful, that we would continue our devotional service there. And my husband, my husband is a person who works and trains oxen and bull, bulls. And um, so he felt he would have service there. But then while in Mayapur, I didn't intend to do this. I, I'm a homeopath. I, I take care of people. But I ended up at the Goshala treating the cows with homeopathy. At first I was like totally skeptical. I just wanted to, okay, keep my distance. I'll give a little advice. But I don't know how to take care of cows. Mm. But Krishna allowed me to have a very wonderful success with one very sick calf. And that was it. That was the beginning of my service for cows. And um, what specifically did you start doing in Mayapur? Uh, you, you started like, you know, daily just uh, taking care of the cows, milking, or what was like, your, what was, like your like daily life like there? No, I wasn't milking cows. I was, I, I took care with homeopathic remedies of one very sick calf, mm -hmm. and it was very successful almost miraculous and then after that I just started advising on what homeopathic remedies to give the cows when they were sick and got more and more involved that was in uh, January 2016 and then one bull Sridham my 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 wonderful Sridham he became so ill with um, a life-threatening disease. He was in a coma. He was had brain damage with convulsions and all kinds of terrible things happening. And I nursed him for a month along with other devotees, but took care of him. And that's what finally got me hooked. Mm -hmm. Because in taking care of Sridham, he was no longer cattle. He was no longer just a bull in the herd. And I began, I had a personal relationship and I began to understand how 
amazing these beautiful sattvic creatures are, cows and bulls. Mm -hmm. I just um, had a little glimpse of that. Yeah. Some devotees would say that, you know, it's it's one of Prabhupada's instructions to start a, you know, cow protection program. And devotees do take it seriously all over the world. But then there's also those who think that it's quite a big responsibility. It's difficult to do. Uh, what would you say to someone who's thinking about it, but but kind of like, how would you even start to do such a thing or, you know? Well, it's very wonderful that they're thinking that this is a big responsibility because to take care of cows is actually the service that Krishna did. Krishna was worshipped by hundreds and thousands of Lakshmis or gopis. But what was Krishna doing? He was serving cows. He was a gopala. His name is Govinda, one who gives pleasure to the cows and to the senses. So it's a very serious and auspicious occupation. But it is also Prabhupada's instruction that every city temple be connected to a farm community. And in this farm community, cows are to be protected and loved and cared for. And in so doing, we will get the milk from protected cows that we should be offering to the deities. So it's simultaneously not to be afraid of. And my experience is that if you take care of cows, it brings auspiciousness and prosperity. Right. Auspiciousness and prosperity by making that endeavor. So we start small and we begin to take care of cows. And there are actually many devotees in the movement who who have become very expert at taking loving care of cows. Uh, anyone associated with Bhakti Raghava Swami, any farm communities associated with him. I live in Sharanagati where there's a wonderful householder couple who have six cows and bulls and are an amazing example of how to take care of cows lovingly. It's not easy, but if we make the endeavor, Krishna provides what we need to do it. We need to have a plan how to do it nicely, properly. But we also need to understand that if our endeavor is sincere and we sincerely seek the counsel that we need and we make the endeavors necessary, that Krishna will provide. He will provide. I have seen it. I have seen it with my two eyes, and I've experienced it in Mayapur. I was working with Dharmakunda in Mayapur at the Goshala, and we left the Goshala, and he started Nandi Sanctuary. At first, we only had a few cows, and then we were actually given 13 bulls just right off the bat. We couldn't say no, we had to take them. And we were wondering, how on earth are we going to do this? I was actually very worried. I was saying to Dhammakunda, you shouldn't accept this. He was saying, Mataji, we will accept them and we will work hard and Krishna will provide. And within a very short time, this is what happened. Oh, hold on. I lost you. 
I'm still here. Okay. All right. So. So, yeah, um, that's interesting. So now you live in Sharanagati. What is that life like? I, I know you're kind of like off the grid there and, and yes. a family that takes care of cows there. Do you, do you help there or what's that life like? You know, I'm 75 years old. My wow. service now is not shoveling dung or, or, or bringing the hay in or doing all the things that a young person will do to take care of cows. My service for cows now is to speak about cow protection and to, um, when I'm back in Mayapur, I'm going back in August, I work with Dal Mukunda and I do, I do a lot of writing. We have a newsletter. I write reports. I do what I can. And when there are sick cows or bulls at Nandi Sanctuary, I take care of them. Mm -hmm. That's my service. What, what inspired you to um, kind of get in contact with me or and, and Chandra Moli Maharaj regarding like what's the message that you're trying to, uh, you know, give out to the devotee community? Very good. Uh, the message that is very important to me is is that. Let me see if I can word this properly. Is that all through Srila Prabhupada's books, his classes, his lectures, Srila Prabhupada has connected over and over and over again. One devotee actually counted 1,000 quotes. I counted at one point 400 where Prabhupada talks about the protection of cows. And many, many of them link the protection of cows to the milk. That we that we offer, and Prabhupada over and over again makes that direct um, that direct link. If you put on the um, on the screen uh, sure. slide number six, yeah. you will see directly. This is number six, I Prabhupada. Think. Yes. Oh, oh, you're going to make it bigger? Uh, or that's it? No, I can make it bigger. It's okay. That's fine. So Prabhupada very clearly said, if we, if we protect cows, we can have the facility of drinking milk. And he also said, this was in Honolulu, in a lecture way back in 1968, Prabhupada said, and protect the cows. We are taking so much advantages there from the cows, milk, and from milk, we make hundreds of vitaminous foodstuffs, hundreds. So such a nice animal, faithful, peaceful, and beneficial. After taking milk from it, if we kill, does it look very well? So this is just two in, in my book. It's called Bhakti Milk. In my book, I quote so many times Prabhupada talking about protecting cows, we can take their milk. This is the instruction he gave us. And right before he left this world, he was talking so much about establishing Barnashram. 
and having farm communities. This was his desire, the 50% of his mission that he never completed. And the basis of Varnashram, and Prabhupada says this in his books, the basis of Varnashram is cow protection. So this is, this is, um, this is what is so important to me. And even, and even in 2019, the GBC passed a resolution that by Janmashtami 2022, all ISKCON temples should be offering only milk from protected cows to the deities. Or if they cannot do that, they must present a plan for how they will achieve this goal. So we need to start thinking about this. We need to do this as a society. You said the name of your book is called Bhakti Milk. Yes. Is it? Is it? Uh, what? Where? How does that? How did that title come about? Bhakti Milk. Well, we always, uh, until a couple of years ago, we always would talk about Ayamsa milk, milk from protected cows, exactly. milk which has no. Dairy, like the dairy slaughter industry is dairy milk and is connected to the slaughter industry. They're very directly connected. So then there's Ahimsa milk. But then one day I was actually talking with, with Dharamukunda Prabhu and I said, actually, we don't even really want to offer Ahimsa milk. We want to offer Bhakti milk. We want to offer milk from cows that are taken care of by devotees following Prabhupada's instructions of having a farm community connected to every city temple. And so we started using that term and I like it so much better. I am some milk is like a negative. Bhakti is positive plus, is positive plus devotional service. So that GBC resolution that's gone through for Janmashmi of this year, do you know if they're going to meet that goal? I really, I really doubt it, to be really honest. But I know that here in Canada, Bhakti Raghavaswamy has, has um, asked all of the temples of Canada, all of the temples of his own, to at least present by Janmashmi 2022 their plan for for following this instruction. Mm -hmm. And I'm working right now with two wonderful devotees here in Canada to uh, set up a seminar so that we're not going to do it before Janmashtami. We're going to do it after Radhastami so that we can begin the conversation with the devotees about this issue. It's very controversial. Many devotees get very upset. Why do you think that is? Why do you think devotees get upset when you say you should we should offer, you know, protected cow milk to the Lord and and uh, this is like what what's the reason to get you know I guess it's I guess it's also people feel guilty sometimes maybe of what they're you know when they're not able to do that. Actually, because down deep in our hearts, you're right. Down deep in our hearts, we know that we shouldn't. We, we should be offering bhakti milk to Krishna. And be, below that, we should at least only be offering ahimsa milk, which is almost impossible 
to obtain. Shiva Ram Swami, in the beginning of my book, I quote, I quote Shiva Ram Swami, and he said he, he only takes milk from protected cows. And he says very clearly, which means most of the time when I'm traveling, I am fasting or dieting as a vegan. Myself, the last time I had bhakti milk was um, October 2020. Oh my goodness. So I don't take any dairy unless it's from protected cows. Wow. They're in Sharnagati, those devotees with the six cows don't have milk? Well, we will. Very soon, we have one cow pregnant, and she's due at the end of July. Oh, that's nice. Unfortunately, I won't be here. I'm going back to Mayapur in August. Oh, you'll, you'll get it in Mayapur, I'm sure. Well, actually, Nandi Sanctuary has cows that will be giving birth soon, too. Mm -hmm. So I will get it when I get there. But, you know, we've just focused too much on, on milk, we're too worried about our milk and our paneer and our ice cream cones and our milk sweets. We have to begin focusing on serving cows. Krishna is called Govinda, one who gives pleasure to the cows. He is not known as, I, I don't know the Sanskrit word for this, but as one who lusts after milk. This is not the the connection that we make when it comes to milk. And even in Krishna book and in the Bhagavatam, we read that, that Krishna was distributing milk and butter and yogurt to the monkeys. Why? Because he wanted to give pleasure to his devotees. It's not that he was lust, lusting after milk, just like he danced with the gopis, not because he was lusting after gopis, it was it was a, a relationship of love with his devotee. Now, what would you say to someone who says that the milk that we get from the store, we can offer it, and it can be, and the milk, the cows that gave that milk can be purified, or can their milk can be, um, you know, they can benefit basically in the next life uh, by by devotees offering that milk to. Krishna. I know that's an argument yes. that some give. Yes. And um, I've heard that argument. And um, I'll tell you what, though. That's called Agyata Sukriti, right? Yeah. What you're describing is, is, is Agyata Sukriti, that the cow benefits from off us offering the milk to Krishna. I'm getting out my book here because there's a quote in here that I want to um, I want to use and this comes from the story of King Satyavrata and in the purport Prabhupada writes well the verse I'll read the verse King Satyavrata not knowing that the fish was the supreme personality of Godhead decided with great pleasure to give the fish protection in the purport, Prabhupada writes, such service is called Agyata Sukriti. Satyavrata wanted to show his mercy, not knowing that the fish was Lord Vishnu. By such 
unknowing devotional service one is favored by the Supreme Lord. Service rendered to the Lord, knowingly or unknowingly, never goes in vain. But the key words here are, he wanted to show his own mercy, not knowing that the fish was Lord Vishnu. So someone performs a good activity, not knowing that the good activity that they're performing is, is for a devotee or for Krishna and they get the benefit. It doesn't mean that someone forces and abuses another living entity and takes the product of that and offers that product to Krishna. Mm, right. That's not the description. Of course, I'm not a big philosopher. There are some people who may, some devotees, who may tear this apart. And, you know, no, I'm not saying that devotees are in favor of slaughtering cows. Devotees who are buying milk, you know, dairy milk, they're not in favor of slaughtering cows. Absolutely not. But basically what we're doing when we're saying that is we're saying it's like going to a farmer who, who slaughters his cows when they no longer can give milk. And they do, they do that every five years. And we're saying to him, you sinful rascal, what are you doing? Your cow has been giving you faithfully milk for five years, and now she's not giving hardly any milk anymore, so you send her to the slaughterhouse. How can you do such a thing? And we chastise him, and we preach to him. And at the end of our preaching, we say, by the way, can I have a liter of milk? And can you give me a discount on that milk? So we're not practicing what we're preaching. Our actions are louder than our words. And actually, this is what the resolution 4 or 6 2 is pointing out. That the two activities are not, there's no connection there. We need to connect our preaching with our 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 words. I mean our with our activities. Yeah, I, I get a little I, passionate. No, no, that's that's a, it's it's understandable. I find it interesting. I mean, I don't like to criticize, but um, there's a temple in Pennsylvania uh, that's a Pushti Mark temple. It's not a Hare Krishna temple, but it, they they worship Krishna, but from the Pushti Mark tradition, and it's called Vraj. The temple is called Vraj, and it's in Pennsylvania in this like very rural area. But they don't have any cows there, from what I went. They, they worship Srinathji, they worship Gopal, but they don't have any cows in their amazing, huge, rural, like, temple. And then, so, I was just wondering, like, why don't they, why don't people have cows who are worshipping Gopal and Govinda? You know, it's like a big part of, it's a big part of their, their like you said, you know, the gopis are serving Krishna, but who's Krishna serving? Who's Krishna serving a cow? So, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Uh, when temple when devotees don't take that um, seriously, I think I think there's 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 degrees of ways you can help. Like if there is a project of cow protection in your area, or not even in your area, you can financially send money and and support it that way. Uh, you can there's so many different ways to support. It's not like everyone has to go buy a piece of land and get cows. You know, of course that's the highest thing, and you can do that. But it, it, there's ways there's ways to support it right 
And it wouldn't be practical. And that's not the program that Prabhupada gave us. Prabhupada said, every city temple should be connected to a farm community. It is not to be expected that every devotee will have that propensity or that expertise to be able to take care of cows. And better they don't take care of cows if they don't have that expertise because taking care of cows is you have to know what you're doing, you know, <laughs> and you have to have a very, a real desire to do that. So, but you're right. We can all be connected in some way by our preaching, by, by our financial contributions, uh, by um, uh, bringing, <laughs> Every temple could be supporting a farm community. Every city temple could be doing that. And it could be so financially feasible because most city temples, there's enough devotees and guests coming that for them to support a farm community would be very, very simple. You know? And it, but yeah. even beyond that, eventually, eventually, our farm communities should be self-sufficient. Otherwise, we're not really doing cow protection. In the locality of Mayapur, we have a, with Nandi Sanctuary, we have a, a veterinary program that goes from village to village and gives veterinary care to people with their animals. And, um, and, you know, what those people will say to us if we say anything about, about that they're not protecting their cows, that you know they, what they will say? They will say, you know, it's very easy for you people to talk about cow protection. You get donations. I have to support my family. And, and no one is able to teach them and we are not even able to teach them how to take care of cows and be self-sufficient so first we have to commit ourselves to this and then move even toward self-sufficient cow protection and it is possible we can what's do it what's the difference we between just put our normal, what's the difference between cow protection and self-sufficient cow protection Self-sufficient cow protection means that we're not depending on donations to support our, our care of cows. It's not that we will never accept a donation. Someone lovingly, willingly gives a donation, but we're not dependent on that. And so if we do cow protection, so how can we support that? We can support that by uh, the cow dung is invaluable. India right now is exporting tons and tons of cow dung to many countries, especially Arabian countries, because they've understood that cow dung is the best fertilizer. Wow. I didn't know so that. they're exporting cow dung. And meanwhile, India is using chemicals to to grow things in their fields. This is the foolishness of humanity. But we could support our, our, 
our cow protection programs in that way. We could support our cow protection programs by having seminars on cow protection. We could support our cow protection programs by doing retreats in our farm communities centered on cow protection. There's so many, we just have to rack our brains. Radna Swami actually told Dairam Prabhu, um, he's a, a president, I think, in Calcutta, that we have to think, we have to rack our brains. How can we do this? We can do it. We're just uh, too used. We're just in the habit of going to the store and buying a gallon of milk. We've gotten into that bad habit. Yeah. Um, something Tukaram Prabhu said on my podcast when we did when on that episode with him that I found really interesting was that he said you could even go to a local person who takes care of cows, like a local farmer, and tell them, you know, don't kill the cows and we'll have the milk and you could take care of them and we'll pay for it, which I thought was really interesting right. is one way to do it. If you don't want to, if you have the money and you don't want to, you know, get your hands dirty, so to say, and take care of the cows yourself, you could have someone else do it. And it doesn't even have to be a devotee per se. Like if there's only farmers in your area who are just like, you know, um, non-devotee farmers, they can still do the cow protecting for you and give you the milk and not kill them at the, you know, and not sell them off, I guess, when they stop giving milk. And it's not just the cows that can't be sold off. It's the bulls too. Right. We can't just protect cows. We have to protect bulls. So, and a lot of even devotees don't understand that. Cow protection means bull protection. And right. every, and, for giving milk, a cow has to give birth. And roughly 50% of births are going to be female and 50% are going to be male. So all of that has to be taken into consideration. The bull is dharma, is the personification of dharma. We should, we need to do it and we need to do it fearlessly, cautiously, but fearlessly. We increase our cow protection a little bit at a time, our commitment a little bit at a time. And what you're suggesting could actually be done. It could actually be done, but they would also have to be encouraged to that their bulls don't go to slaughter. Yeah. And the devotees would have to become responsible for taking care of their bulls also. So why not just start our own farm community? Why not just do that? You know, it's not impossible. And we also, we don't, devotees are thinking, okay, so we only offer a hymns of milk. So that means that starting next Sunday, we only offer a hymns of milk. Oh my God, how do we do that? But that can also be done gradually. In my book, I tell the story of how I gradually came to the decision of only using ahimsa milk. It was a gradual thing. Could you it tell didn't us happen that overnight. Story? I actually started off. Yeah, I, 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 after I took care of Sridham, I realized, oh my goodness, you know, I started looking around. I started seeing, 
even around Mayapur, how the cows are abused and how the calves don't get mother's milk. And so I, I, um, I started thinking about this and then I said, okay, so from now on, I'm only going to have milk products on Ecodacy. <laughs> because I didn't know how I would observe Ecodacy without milk product. Okay, so I did that for a while. And then I came to the conclusion, well, this is kind of weird. How, how is it less, how is it less sinful or more auspicious to offer milk from abused cows on ecodicity? It's not. Okay, then I was really in a dilemma and I didn't know what to do. And then I read, I was, I read Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Parikshit, you know, confronted the personality of Kali. Mm. And after reading that, then I understood I had to do this. And then one day, in the presence of two very committed devotees, I made the commitment. I just did it because it was time. I had thought about it for a year and a half. And finally, I realized I have no more valid reasons for, for continuing to take milk from the dairy industry. So I'm just going to go ahead, dive in. It was scary. It was scary at first. Because the next day I was invited to go and have spaghetti with my devotee friends who made wonderful spaghetti full of paneer. And I wasn't going to go. And yeah. but bit by bit I didn't, and now I'm actually happy. I don't even hanker anymore. I'm very happy when I can have milk from protected cows that's been offered to Krishna, but I don't hanker for it. I really and truly don't. I don't even want it. Wow. It makes me sick to think about it. Mm-hmm. I know there's a there's a good number of friends that I have who are the same level that you're at you're talking about who don't take dairy from uh, just normal dairy and just the normal dairy industry and and I think it's through awareness it's through devotees like yourself who like to give the like to teach about this thing because sometimes devotees don't make that connection especially newer people I guess newer devotees who come to the movement. There's no, there's that connection's not there between the dairy industry and the meat industry. I think that's something that we have. And to the, the connection is there. The connection is there. Connection yeah, I'm just is saying, yeah, I'm just saying that devotees don't make that connection. Right. Yeah. And that's why I wrote Bhakti Milk. There is a section in here. I, I cut it down. I had so many pages and so many graphic pictures. And one devotee said, Mataji, you can't do that. It's too heavy. You're going to scare the devotees. Right. And so I toned it down. But that's like Bhakti Milk 101. We need to understand that connection. We have to get, we can't be like the ostrich with our heads in the sand, pretending it's not really going yeah. on. That's true. Um, why do you feel that this issue is intimately connected to the major problems of the 21st century, as you wrote to me? It's not me that feels that. It's Srila Prabhupada 
who says that. Prabhupada has said repeatedly that um, epidemics, does it sound familiar? Pandemic, <laughs> epidemic, war, pestilence are directly related to the, to the um, slaughter of innocent animals, especially cows. Prabhupada directly says that. So we as a society, we are concerned. You know, our concern is we can see people are literally going to hell and suffering like anything because of, of slaughtering cows. So we have to become serious and sh sh show by example. We have to do it ourselves. If we don't do it ourselves, we can't preach it. We can't, we can't preach it. We have to stop preaching cow protection if we're not going to fully engage in cow protection. Our movement should be chanting the holy name and cow protection. Why cow protection? Because Prabhupada wanted, on his, practically on his deathbed, us to establish the 50% of his mission that he did not complete. And that is the establishment of Daivi Varnashram, global of Varnashram Dharma. And in our books, in Prabhupada's purports, it says very clearly, and I have quotes in my book, that the basis of Varnashram is cow protection. So those should be our focus. We need to focus on that. I want to play, you know, I, I, I like to play devil's advocate sometimes. Um, so it's okay. If you Good. Would, if you would, yeah. If you would humor me. Um, Prabhupada. You, on, on, so I know you're not the devil. <laughs> you have teal yeah, on, so I know you're not the devil. Right. right. <laughs> when, um, when Prabhupada was on the planet, uh, he drank, you could say slaughterhouse milk and he probably knew yes. Where it was coming from, that they were gonna—I mean, did he know that they were going to eventually slaughter those cows? So that's an argument against what you're saying, I think. Yes, it is. It actually is. Okay. I'll, this is from Shrimad Bhagavatam one seventeen three. The cow's calf not only is beautiful to look at, but also gives satisfaction to the cow. So she delivers milk as much as possible. Because she is so happy with the presence of her calf, she will deliver so much milk. I've seen that. I'll tell you a story in a few minutes. Then Prabhupada says, but in the Kali Yuga, the calves are separated from the cows as early as possible for purposes which may not be mentioned in these pages of Srimad Bhagavatam. So there we go. Those are my favorite quotes. You have them on the screen. So Prabhupada was aware of this. And this is, um, this is a very difficult issue for many devotees to get around. And for a long time, that was my excuse for continuing with dairy milk. But then... I started noticing when I read Srimad Bhagavatam how often Prabhupada makes the connection 
between the um, the milk that we drink and protecting cows. Just like the quote that we showed a few minutes ago, if you want milk, protect cows. If you're protecting cows, you can have milk. He doesn't say if you want milk, go to the store. He doesn't say that. Now, at the beginning of the movement, we had no cows. We had no cows. And Prabhupada came into a meat-eating society. He didn't come here to establish the International Society for Ahimsa Milk. He came to spread the chanting of the Holy Name. And he knew, he knew that if we chant the Holy Name, we will become purified and we will begin to ponder these issues and begin acting on them. At the beginning of the movement, when we offered Artig to the deities, it was a candle. And the deities, the Lord, Lord Jagannath in San Francisco didn't even have clothing. No one offered him garlands. But Prabhupada was very satisfied with that deity worship and he taught us more. So if we read Prabhupada's books, we can see that Prabhupada repeats over and over again the connection between protecting cows and drinking milk. So, and Prabhupada said on his deathbed, the devotees, the devotees were crying, Prabhupada, please don't leave us. Please stay with us. Prabhupada said, read my books, follow the instructions in my books and, and, and work together. And you know what? Devotees say, Prabhupada drank milk, so I drank milk. Prabhupada did so many things that we don't do. He stayed up all night translating Srimad Bhagavatam. He always chanted all of his rounds every single day. No nonsense ever. Do we do all that? No. Prabhupada would never take a vaccination. How many devotees have taken vaccinations in the past two years? Right. Prabhupada never took a vaccination. We don't think. Well, so that word we can't times. just I'm gonna get, say. I'm going to get banned. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't just keep saying Prabhupada drank milk. Right. Prabhupada did drink milk, right. but it's not one of the four regulative principles. And we have to get on with Prabhupada's mission and establish the 50% that he wants us to establish. And part of that is cow protection, a very important part. So you're saying that the ver is a very important part of Varnashram is cow protection. Yes, can it is. Can you say a little bit, say a little bit more that. about? I don't think Can you say a little bit more about why he said fifty percent of his work is not done yet? What and what is that work? Well, Srila Prabhupada was speaking at the end of his life. He realized that he introduced the chanting of Hare Krishna. Devotees were chanting Hare Krishna. Temples were full. But there were also many devotees who were blooping, sannyasis who were falling down, you know, devotees who were not following the principles. There was lots of nonsense even when Prabhupada was on the planet. So Prabhupada actually, I don't have the exact words that Prabhupada used, but Prabhupada realized that, that the way to get out of this material 
world and become purified is the chanting of the holy name. This is the Yuga Dharma. There is no question. But in order to properly engage in this Yuga Dharma, we need a culture. We need a culture that supports the chanting of the holy name. Try, you know, when I was a devotee in Nuvandavan, I had a baby and I had was washing diapers by hand and the diapers had frozen stool on them and I had to defrost them. And I was like so disgusted. I went to the temple president at one point and I said, Prabhu, you know, I can barely chant my rounds every day. I just barely get through the day with all the stuff that I have to do to take care of this baby. I think I should just move to Wheeling, West Virginia, get an apartment and peacefully chant Hare Krishna. And this devotee said to me, no Mataji, better you stay here in Nuvandavan and clean dirty diapers than chant Hare Krishna in Wheeling. And I didn't understand what he said then. I didn't understand that. I was angry at him. But I understood later that if I went to Wheeling and just sat and alone and chanted Hare Krishna, I would very soon stop. I would get sucked into the material energy. We need a culture that supports this chanting of the holy name. So that's why Prabhupada said 50% of his mission. One of the reasons. I mean, I'm not Prabhupada, I'm not a pure devotee, but he did specifically say that. It's very important. Yeah, I um, different devotees have different interpretations of what that, I think what that means in regards to Varnashram. Um, I've heard other points of view uh, that it's not so important. Um, but it, it, it makes sense what you're saying. It does make a lot of sense that uh, cow protection is a big part of that. And I like the what you said about the chanting Hare Krishna. It supports the it supports the chanting of the of the holy name, right? Yes, I wish I could find. I I you know I'm not very good. I'm not I'm not one of these great devotees who remembers um, who remembers. Um, Quotes. But there is one quote where Prabhupada says very directly that Varnashram, the basis of Varnashram, is cow protection and devotees should be engaged in cow protection. And I know for sure that Prabhupada wanted a city temple, a farm temple, for the purpose of milk, of offering uh, boga, which is um, not contaminated, to the deities. You know, in India right now, in India right now, um, devotees buy milk from the store. And um, I was going by a cooperative. I was with Dayamukunda. I work a lot with them, so we go different places. So we were in Krishnanagar, and we went by the co-op, and he said to me, you know, the co-op buys milk from the Goshas, for 23 rupees a liter and they and the milk and then they sell to the uh, uh, people that bottle the milk they sell it for 28 rupees a liter i mean no the 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 goshas buy the milk from the farmer for 23 rupees and they sell the milk to the co-op for 28 rupees 
I sat there for a minute. I said, Dalmakunda, that makes no sense. You're, you're wrong. No one would engage in the occupation of collecting all this milk and making a five rupee profit with each liter that they collect. So you're wrong. I, I said, forget it. And then I sat there for a minute and I thought, oh, they're augmenting the milk. He said, right. They get the milk from the farmer. They augment it. And uh, I have a quote here. They augment it with all kinds of unmentionable stuff. It's not just augmented with water. They augment it with um, uh, starch, urea, glucose, formalin. One, one company was, was uh, shut down because they were augmenting with paint, white paint. And people were getting sick from the milk. So, so this is the milk that we're offering. Devotees are buying and they're offering this milk to Krishna. Krishna has to have milk, but how much of it is milk? And the world, and I mentioned, and I mentioned this to Bhakti Raghavaswami, this story, when he came to visit a few days later. He said, you are so correct, Mataji. He said, actually, the World Health Organization, and I even looked it up to make sure what he was telling me was the truth. They, they came to the conclusion that the amount of milk being sold in the stores in India is three times the amount of milk being collected. The World Health Organization did a survey all over India. So the amount being collected is this amount, and the milk being sold is three times that amount. How is that possible? Look at this. It's called being it's it's being augmented. Do I have that? Nearly seventy percent of India's go. milk products violate nation nation's food safety standards. More than two thirds of milk and milk products sold in India do not meet the standards set by the Food Safety and Standards Authority of India. New search research reveals. Uh, so mixing of food or drink with lesser and sometimes harmful materials to make the product the production of the item more profitable. Wow. Spot on. You were spot on. Right. And and the World Health Organization said at this rate, uh, by the time um uh, by the year 2025, 87% of citizens would be suffering from serious diseases like cancer because they're drinking this milk. So this is why Prabhupada wanted a farm community with each city temple. We can't, be, we can't depend on materialistic people giving us uh, the pure product. What to speak of the connection with, with the slaughter industry? What do you feel? Uh, what do you feel is the gold standard for cow protection in uh, the world of Hare Krishna? The gold standard is very simple. 
we take care of cows because Krishna loves cows. Because Krishna showed by example how important this is. And if the cows give milk, wait, and if the cows give milk, that cows and bulls, Surabi Gotra is actually a better expression, the family of Surabi. And if the cows give milk, the little bit of milk or the large quantity of milk that is given, we offer that to Krishna. And we need not be fearful. The milk will come. The milk will come in abundance if we dedicate ourselves to doing this. Just a small example. When I was working at Mayapur Goshala, when Dhammakunda first took over, the cows were not well taken care of. And the one of one of the cows was very ornery. And when the Goshas would come to milk her, she would kick them. And it was dangerous. And her milk bag was so skinny and empty. And they finally went to Dhammakunda and said, This cow, we won't milk her anymore. It's dangerous. So Dhammakunda said, Right, you're right. Leave her alone. So he found out who her calf was. The calves were not being kept with the mothers at that time. He found out who her calf was. And he brought her calf to her. And he put that calf and mother in a pen together. Just by themselves. And then two weeks later, he looked at her. And her milk bag was dripping with milk. She couldn't even contain it. Why? Because she was with her calf. She was so happy. Prabhupada, Prabhupada told us, if we want an abundance of milk, we put the cow and the calf together. It's a natural thing. It's natural for calves. It's natural with human mothers. It's natural for every mammal. Right. So when that's the gold standard is that we protect cows. We take care of cows. And then the milk will come. As far as a, a project or a location that you've seen ha that's doing it the best, what would you say in your experience? Have you seen places that you see like, oh, this is like, this is really successful program? You know, I've been so much in Mayapur in the last few years that I have not visited so many places, so many right. Goshalas. I should. I should be able to immediately say. But I know that here in Sharanagati, Yoginath Prabhu and Udarakirti, they have a few cows, six cows, and take, they take loving, beautiful care of their cows. And I know that Dhammakunda Prabhu in, in Mayapur, he has a place called Nandi Sanctuary and he rescues bulls. And he rescues some cows. And the goal there is not milk. The goal is the care of cows and bulls. Right. And that's proper right. cow care. I know that um, Vasudham Prabhu in Telangana, I know that he takes excellent care of his cows and bulls. And I know that many devotees connected with um, Bhakti Raghavaswami, many communities connected with him in India are taking excellent care of the cows and bulls. 
and Dr. Srikumar and Dr. Srikala um, from, uh, all of a sudden I forget, I forget the place that they live anyway. I know that they're teaching devotees how to take care of proper cows and bull, how to take care of cows and bulls properly, how to do organic farming so that the cows are, are properly fed. If cows are properly fed with organic food, they will give more milk. They will be happier. Something uh, I've always been interested in is sometimes I've heard people say that the real cows are the cows that have the hump and are from India, Indian origin. And the ones that are from the West that are like the size of cars, you know, like those really big ones, European ones, they're not considered cows. And then there's something about like A milk, A2 milk, A1 milk. Like, can you kind of shed a little bit more light on that? Oh, that's very interesting. So cows with a hump that are, <laughs> that are, um, that give, I forget which one is the best, A1 or A2. I'm not so, I'm not, for I'm me, it's A2. not, a, it's A2 that's the best. Okay. So if that cow is not being properly protected, if her calf is not getting, if she is not with her calf, and the calf is not getting milk from the mother. And if the bulls of that Goshala are being sent to slaughter, then you can call it A2 milk all you want. But in the Rig Veda, it says that milk which is forcibly taken from cows is poison. So you can drink all the poison A2 milk in the world. It's still poison, according to the Rig Veda. Actually, why don't you come up with slide three and four? Sure. Because they start with slide three. Slide three in the Rig Veda, chapter, the 10th chapter, 1073.9, it says that cows, cow provides it in its milk the curative and prophylactic effects of the medicinal herbs it eats. Okay, very good, excellent. We want that. Milk, when digested properly, this is from Ayurveda, milk, when digested properly, nourishes all the tissues, promotes balanced emotions, and helps to balance all the doshas. Now, we look at the next slide. Milk derived forcibly from the cow is poisonous and leads to innumerable incurable diseases, which is exactly what the World Health Organization promised the Indian dairy industry if they continue, if the, this adulteration of milk is, is continued. Not to speak of forcibly taking the milk from the cow. So we have these two completely opposite statements. What is the only solution? The only solution is the following. Follow Prabhupada's instruction. Connect every city temple to a farm community that includes the protection and loving care of cows. Stop supporting the dairy slaughter industry by purchasing their milk products. 
If it cannot be done immediately, make a plan with identified goals and deadlines for doing this. It may take us 20 years to actually achieve. It may take us another 50 years, but we have to do this because if we protect cows, we can have the facility of drinking real milk, wow. not white liquid in a wow. bottle. Yeah. It was, um, oh. it was really wonderful. And we'll be ecstatic. We'll be ecstatic. Yes. You know, by drinking this milk, it's actually ecstatic. Has someone ever given you a cup of milk and said, Prabhu, this is from our cow? that we love immediately it's it's ecstatic yeah we've been i'm sorry been i really interrupted no no that's okay we've been really blessed here we get milk from gita nagri um farm oh wonderful. And it's it's uh that's the milk that we take and i think our temple also only offers that to the deities. i've heard this yes yeah and actually there's a number of temples around this area uh, iskon temples that get their milk from Gitanagri farm. And they're also trying to follow that GBC resolution, which, uh, you know, like Janmashtami trying to get everyone on, uh, uh, you know, what you say, bhakti milk. I, I, I like that term a lot. That's, it's very um, apt. Yes. And, um, yes. Can you tell us a little bit more? How can someone get your book if they, if they wanted to? Well, they can go to Amazon dot com in the states or amazon.ca in canada mm -hmm. i'm having a bit of a problem getting making sure it's available in other countries but definitely amazon.com you just put in bhakti milk and there it is yeah so i have it up on the screen here if you go to amazon and you put bhakti milk uh in the search bar you'll find it bhakti milk sounds auspicious and delicious what is it? Uh, so you can get the book <laughs> online here. Uh, you can buy it for five dollars, and it'll de deliver to your house. Uh, that's very interesting. Thank you for for giving us that. And um, I also wanted to say, uh, if you want to get in touch with Vishwadika Mataji, uh, she uh, can I put your email up on the screen? Is that all right? Yes, please do. Please yeah, do. So, so her email is go save one thirty eight. Uh, for all our audio listeners, that's G-O-S-E-V-A-138 at gmail.com. You can get in touch with her about her book. Uh, if you have any questions for her, uh, if you want to talk to her, I usually do that with our with my guests. But it was uh, it was fantastic speaking with you. I love your energy and I love your passion for this specific topic. And I think it's really we need devotees like yourself who are, uh, you know, honing in on specific issues that. Uh, our devotee community should be looking at and should be, um, you know, considering importance to. And uh, I, I applaud you and I and I thank you and I hope that many devotees listen to this and they can uh, benefit and even change maybe perhaps make them think a little bit more deeply about this because that's what I think this is all about. I think it's making that connection. I, I'm I'm speaking to myself as well, making that connection between the milk that we're just going to the store, like you said, just going to the store and buying milk or butter or whatever it is and, and where it's coming from, how is it being collected uh, and all that stuff. And then, you know, really understanding that we could, there is a solution to this and uh, we just have to make that attempt. 
And and it doesn't have to be all done at once. It won't be. There's a story about Prabhupada. He was uh, sitting at a fire sacrifice. It was a fire sacrifice going on. And uh, um, a local Brahmin, it was in Vrindavan. He was watching the fire sacrifice. And he said to Prabhupada, they're doing, they're not doing it right. They're not doing it right. And he was all in a panic because this Brahmin was into the proper rituals. And Prabhupada finally said to him, he said, that is okay. They are just practicing. So, so, you know, we shouldn't be in a panic and we shouldn't think, oh my God, I can't do this. We need to make commitments, even if they're small. And it's like a snowball. We make these incremental commitments and eventually we are, we will be ecstatically making a final commitment to only offer Krishna bhakti milk. Go ahead. Bhakti Milk. Thank, thank, you thank you very so much. much. Thank, thank you for, okay. for joining me. I'm, I'm just going to turn off the live, but please stay on. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Hare Krishna, everyone. Thank you okay, for listening. Okay, thank you. Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare.